When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception. Perception. The show. Matt Harmon, how are you doing as we enter into week number three? Well, man, I'm feeling great coming off a huge uh, Aaron Jones game. I know we mostly talk wide receivers on this podcast, of course, but um, I spent all summer, you know, saying like Aaron Jones was a great second round pick, the perfect second round pick at certain times. He's on all my fantasy teams. He's also on this first year my mom has ever played fantasy football. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Mom's league. Outrageous. Um he's on her fantasy team he's on my sister's fantasy team and they're both giving me grief after week one for freaking aaron jones so i am very happy to see aaron jones get back in the box a couple of times so i'm i'm feeling pretty good um heading into week number three here hey listen um you know, family leagues notwithstanding um i know i previously on a on previous episode we had talked about stud wide receivers uh, kind of lifting offenses. I think today's focus, I, I really wanted to focus on, on on groups of wide receivers that are really good, um, that are clearly elevating uh, the passing game and, and kind of sort of elevating the play of their quarterbacks. And I want to start in Miami. I know we had talked about Tyreek Hill lifting what we saw there in South Beach, but listen, man, y- y- you can't talk about South Beach right now without talking about the duo, the dynamic duo of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Holy hell, in fantasy football, I cannot remember. I was too lazy to look this up. I can't remember ever seeing two wide receivers go for a 40 spot in the same damn game. Well, you're probably correct on that because uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are the only pair of wide outs with 170 plus yards and two touchdowns a piece in the same game since at least 1950. I saw that from our former colleague, Rich Eisen of the NFL network uh, this weekend. So hilarious to call us colleagues of Rich Eisen, you know, given our, Given our status at the at the network and his, but hey, we were in the make we were in the makeup room getting makeup together at the same time one oh time. Me and Rich Eisen. God. So you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and say former colleague Rich Eisen of the NFL Network. Uh, anyways, oh yeah. So you're probably right. We probably you probably haven't seen that very often because it, it has never been done before. Apparently, there you go. All right, eleven catches on thirteen targets for Tyreek, one ninety and two touchdowns. 
for the cheetah. And then for, for Mr. Waddle, uh, 11 catches on 19 targets for Jalen Waddle, 171, two touchdowns. You know, what's even more impressive about that man. Like Tyreek Hills battling cramps all game. Like that's just crazy. Yeah. This dude's just out there battling cramps. Like I thought, I thought when he left the game again, I thought it was like, there's no way he's coming back, dude. Like, there's just no way. Like, the human body can't respond. He just comes right back out and just starts catching balls again. You're like, yo, this man is superhuman. He He's not human. That's what it is. These guys are not human. Their after catchability, especially for Jalen Waddle, is just something outrageous, dude. I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with more of everything we, you just said. This is there are a lot of really good wide receiver duos in the NFL. Um, there's so many good receiver duos in the NFL, so many receiver groups overall. We'll talk about a few of like kind of up and coming yeah. ones, but um, you know, this is a new one, the, the, the Hill Waddle duo. And I certainly think that even if you don't want to say they're the best, I think you probably have to say they're the most dynamic uh, duo of wide receivers right now because of the unique speed that they both bring to the table. I mean, Tyree kill is probably, you know, again, I don't think he's the best receiver in football. I would rank a few guys ahead of him, but he's certainly the most like dynamic (laughs) guy from a speed perspective. And Jalen Waddle too. There's a a lot of different ways we could go with this, but Jalen Waddle is extremely fast. You know, he was number one in success rate versus man coverage among those prospects coming into the league in 2021, you know, so he was a guy who could win at all levels. And I think that was something that his rookie year uh, reception perception profile showed, which is about a 70% success rate versus man number. Um, I actually don't even think he was really healthy throughout his rookie year. I think there were some times where he, he took a little bit to get sped up, but you saw in his route success rate chart that, oh, okay, Jalen Waddle can, you know, burn, man. Like he can get down the field. That little pop gun role that they had him playing as a rookie was not really indicative of his full skill set. Like Jalen Waddle can rip it down the field on the nine route, uh, on the corner route, on the out route in the vertical game. Those are really strong routes. He just wasn't used there as a rookie. He's getting used there now, right? And I think that one of the things that (laughs) I discounted coming into this year was the clarity and vision of this Miami coaching staff from an offensive standpoint, because, you know, Mike McDaniel and the boys coming over, like they've clearly just, they've built this identity around these two receivers. Uh, One of the things I said coming into this year was that if both Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill from a fantasy perspective, were going to pay off their ADPs. One of two things had to happen. Either Tua had to take a massive leap forward or, these two guys are going to have to be the only relevant pass catchers in Miami. And honestly, both of those things might've come true at this point in week two, 88% of the air yards combined went to Jalen Waddle and Tyree kill 64% of the targets combined to just those two guys. So, and we, I think Tua has taken a step forward. We can kind of talk more to in a second, but one thing I think that I discounted was Jalen Waddle was not going to be in the same little pop gun role, despite the fact that he was in, he was playing with the same quarterback because what was the thing with Brian Flores in Miami? And, you know, obviously I think we all can kind of agree that Brian Flores maybe got a bad rap there at the end of his tenure in Miami. But for sure, one one thing that was a problem with him was he was constantly cycling offensive coordinators would have like multiple offensive coordinators on the same, you know, right. who was calling plays. You never had any idea. There might have been up to like three guys with equal standing in the room there in the final year of Miami. <laughs> right. um, so I think the fact they have clarity of vision, the fact they have clarity about these two guys being your best players 
it's just so dangerous. It's just impossible to try to cover these two guys together, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and we're seeing the results of that. I know it's not going to hold up, you know, but it's just kind of like it is fun to like look at like the on pace stuff just because it's so outrageous. Yeah. But J- Jalen Waddle is on pace for 2,040 yards, 26 touchdowns. Tyreek Hill is on pace for 162 receptions. 2,400 yards and 17 touchdowns. A pair of wide receivers both on pace right now for 2,000 plus, bro. Like, what? Get out of here. This is outrageous. It's out of bounds. It's Chris Carter, Randy Moss. It's Ike Bruce, Torrey Holt. This is like, it's not a Batman and Robin. It's Batman and Batman. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my God, this this is an unbelievable pair. And, And you talk about ranking those pairs. Bro, like, there is no one else. Like, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, that's a good pair. That's a very, very good pair. T. Higgins is not on this level yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not fair. It's not fair what these guys are doing. Um, And, you know, you know what has sneakily helped them, too, is that they have struggled somewhat to run the ball. And Mike, Mike McDaniel, you know, being the coach that he is, he's like, you know what? okay, we're not running the ball that well. So you know what? We're just going to get the ball into our playmaker's hands and we're just going to do that over and over and over and over again. And I think it's just so smart. You know, like there are certain players where it's just like, I mean, look at Indianapolis. God damn, like Jonathan Taylor couldn't get the damn ball. Like, why yeah. is this happening? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so, it's it's mind boggling when some of these coaches get away from some of their best players. And for, for Mike McDaniel to kind of force feed um, Tyreek and, and Waddle over and over and over again. I think both of these guys clearly have elevated the play of Tua. I think they've also kind of unlocked something in Tua as well, which is kind of like, is he throwing the best footballs? No, no way. <laughs> like he's underthrowing balls. He's overthrowing. It's fine, but who cares? You know what? The one thing yeah. that I had a real big problem with with Tua was that he couldn't pull the trigger. Now mm-hmm. he don't care. Like he's right. just like, screw it. I'm throwing it to my guys and like, I'm going to let them go make plays, which I love. I love that about what he's doing right now. He very much looks like from an aggressiveness standpoint, Alabama Tua, um, which I, I think is really cool to see because he's also not getting like the best protection in the entire world either. Their offensive line is not 100% healthy. You know, they just put right. their starting um, right tackle, uh, Austin Jackson on short-term IR heading into that right. Ravens game. And uh, there, I will say, the Ravens have to get partial credit for giving this huge game up to Tyree Kill and, and Jalen Waddle. That Dude. back end is not fixed. I mean, they're dealing with injuries back there. You know, Marcus Peters is on a pitch count. He got roasted. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton, their rookie kind of box safety nickel defender guy, he got he got torched a couple of times too. Not not looking great so far um, from that perspective with the Ravens defense. But um, just last thing on Tua here, you know, it is kind of one of those things where. He's not. Is he throwing the? Is he Justin Herbert throwing the deep pass? Is he Patrick Mahomes throwing the deep no. pass? No. But no. the results are the results are there. He is absurdly efficient. So much better on just like straight throwing go routes right now because he's got Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Like, why do you go out and get those two guys? I know it's to cut the margin for error. You know, we could yeah. sit here in like a hypothetical world and be like, well, if Tua was just throwing to this receiver and this receiver from a vertical standpoint would he be efficient no because he's not a great deep passer. well who gives a damn he's not throwing to those guys he is for the next at least like what two three years three, whatever four years go- yeah gonna be mm-hmm. throwing to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle so great that's the result that you got to grade it on right there is what is actually happening on the field and so far through two weeks the results look pretty damn good um we're really gonna find out what they're made of this passing attack is really made of uh when they take on Buffalo there in week 
number three. Um, by the way, right. to your point, uh, Baltimore led this game 35 to 14, a 21 point lead with 13 minutes to go. Next gen stats had Baltimore winning this game with like at like a they had like a win percentage of like 99% expected win. Right? Oh, yeah. It was like yeah. 99%. And somehow, some way, my pulls out this game is so crazy. Uh, one last Dude, random note. Yeah, go ahead. We should be talking about in this game, we should be talking about like the um like the Lamar Jackson show. He had an incredible game. Right. You know, the Lamar Jackson like he had a 79 yard Old touchdown school. in this game. Yeah. Yeah. He had a 79 yard touchdown, which was the longest of his career. He, I think he has now 1100 yard rushing games, which surpassed Michael Vick for the most yeah. in NFL history for a quarterback. Like we should be talking about that game for um, Lamar Jackson and like Rashad Bateman emerging as this monster, big play threat. Like the passing attack looks awesome in, in Baltimore. And we're not talking about any of that because they, the defense, <laughs> <laughs> like Lamar needs to go have a conversation with the defense and be like, Hey guys, you really, you really screwed this one up for me. <laughs> Which is so, it's so random to see that really from a hardball, you know, team last year was, yeah. you know, you give them a pass because, Oh my God, just the injuries were just everywhere. Uh, but man, if they start getting a little bit healthier, this team is a little bit scary. By the way, the first, that was the first rushing touchdown for Lamar Jackson in a, an entire year, which was pretty crazy. Uh, when I discovered that also random note in Baltimore, Yesterday, I found out, I don't know how I didn't know this, but Devin Duvernay and Kyler Murray are cousins. I did not know that. That was a very random note. Did not I know discovered. that either. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. A uh, very athletic family there uh, with uh, Devin Duvernay. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball has been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Perception, perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. All right, let's go to New York, man. Um, I know that you're excited about Garrett Wilson, but man, you look at this pass catching trio uh, there in New York, and all of a sudden, again, we talk about a franchise that last year um, I thought had a pretty an okay duo in Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Now with the addition of Garrett Wilson, um, it's a trio that is. Is really really good and even yeah. joe freaking flacco my guy is putting up numbers dude like what is happening here but uh, this trio there in new york i think is certainly certainly helping lift the aerial attack there in new york yeah obviously some of it is game script and and like what a hell of a comeback against the browns stuff like that but joe flacco oh, jesus <laughs> Joe Flacco's dropped back 109 times so far <laughs> this year. What, like what, what year is it? You know, know. in 60 times in game one. It's crazy. Yeah, go ahead. It's, 
it, it's nuts. Yeah, obviously, like I said, some of that is game script. They were trailing. They've been you know trailing kind of throughout the first two yeah. weeks. Which, you know, no surprise. But um, on Garrett Wilson, you know, we had our rookie rankings show coming into this year, kind of like trying to project playing time. And, and you know, I I tiered Garrett Wilson pretty low there because I know, and it had nothing to do with him as a player. But it had everything to do with like, hey, I think the Jets are kind of loaded at wide receiver. You know, they, they've got Elijah Moore, who I'm a huge fan of. Corey Davis is like a, a pretty fine veteran receiver. I thought they'd give Braxton Berrios more time. But Garrett yeah. Wilson, man, just gave Braxton Berrios the freaking stiff arm in, in week two. <laughs> Which, by the way, is good to see. Like, you know, Braxton Berrios, whatever, he's a fine slot receiver. But like Garrett Wilson is potentially special. And I mean, he looks special so far. Um, You've got the, for our YouTube viewers, you've got the, uh, the the route success rate chart from his him as a prospect, all green pretty much, man. I mean, like a yeah. freaking Christmas tree there. He just gets open at all three levels of the field. Um, it's another thing I said today uh, to to Andy Barons, James. I said, you know how everybody's like all gassed up about Kadarius Tony all the time. Like, hey man, like this guy Kadarius Tony's got great talent. Look at what he does in the open field. Well, right. if you could imagine uh, Kadarius Tony, but he could run routes. <laughs> That's Garrett Wilson, by by the way. Like wow. Garrett Wilson is unbelievable in the open field. Among prospects that have been charted the last two years in reception perception, okay, Garrett <clears throat> Wilson is ranks number one in the amount of ta- the amount of in space attempts when he's out in the open field that he broke multiple tackles on. Like he wow. is a freak show in the open field. And among prospects, number three in success rate versus zone coverage. Like he, so he can get open against zone, can make mm-hmm. plays in the open field. And I think that's what you've seen so far. Um, we, we could talk Elijah Moore, obviously, as well. But so far, what you've seen from Garrett Wilson is he's kind of playing as that layup receiver right now. He's been um, in the slot on 50% of his snaps uh, last week against the Browns. You know, they're kind of getting him in space like he's kind of getting more of those layup looks, whereas Elijah Moore is kind of running the more difficult routes as the X receiver around the boundary deep down the field intermediate. Um, by the time this podcast is up, I should have some in-season tracking data on receptionperception.com on both of these receivers. And I think the role comparison is really the interesting part of it because both these guys are extremely talented, but dude, Garrett Wilson's just, I mean, he's like free. He's freaky sometimes the way he can move. You know, the, the, you got to credit the coaching staff too, because a a lot of coaching staffs don't have that kind of like, I don't know, uh, imaginative, you know, spirit to kind of say, all right, Garrett Wilson, who played a lot outside um, there at Ohio state. And he's got that four, three, eight speed. You spent the top 10 pick on him, you know, and or you might say, okay, well, we're just going to kick Elijah Moore inside. You know, it's like, no, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out ways. Because he was a pure slot at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Like, he almost exclusively ran out of the slot in college. Uh, that's exactly right. So, yeah, no, I think they've been relatively creative, um, much to my surprise there in New York, um, trying to get these three guys on the field, honestly. Corey Davis, I think, led the way in targets week one, kind of took a little bit of a backseat, obviously made a huge splash play. Um, to kind of open the door for that comeback there in week number two. But yeah, man, it's he's not going away in this offense either, by the way. You know what I mean? He's no, he is man. in the mix too. So it it's it is very, very interesting um to see, no doubt about it. All right. So let, let me ask you about this because um a lot of us we really wanted to and wanted to believe in Elijah Moore, and we think the world of Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore is a special player, man. Um, I think me he's too. an awesome, awesome player, but he is there's no getting around it. He is not this team's number one. How do you explain it? 
Yeah, well, number one, it has been two weeks. So uh, I would say if if these guys are closer, that, the the problem is Corey Davis isn't, and I don't say problem from like from a fantasy angle, <laughs> it's problematic that they have yeah. that they have other guys involved here. This isn't like, um, you know, it it isn't like a a Jalen Waddle Tyree kill like we talked about at the top of the show. Yeah, it's not they have other dudes mm-hmm. in the mix. Tyler Conklin has been in the mix at tight end. The running backs have been in the mix as receivers. Oh, huge. And we also, by the way, have questions about the quarterback. Like it's Joe Flacco right now. It's going to be Zach Wilson eventually. How good is Zach Wilson? Huh? I mean, by the way, if Zach Wilson can't be good with these dudes, I know he he ain't going to be good. Right. Um. I, I so I think. I think these guys could be a one A one B. I hate I hate being put in a position where it's like, which one is the better receiver? They're both really really good <laughs> okay. players, you know. And and I I do think that Garrett Wilson brings something to the table that Elijah Moore does not. They're both special great separators. You know, Elijah Moore's rookie was one of these guys who clears seventy five percent success rate versus man and eighty percent success rate versus zone. Those guys are great. You know, usually great receivers in the NFL and reception perception. We just talked about and showed on the screen um, Garrett Wilson's route success rate chart. He gets open at all levels of the field, but Garrett Wilson, I think is a little freakier in tight coverage. Like, you know, he can make those plays away from his body more so than Elijah Moore can. And he is no question. Like Elijah Moore can be a player that makes, or he can be a guy that makes plays in space because he's fast um, and, and explosive, but he's not as bendy. He's not as aggressive as a tackle breaker as Garrett Wilson is. So I think, I mean, that's by the way, that's why one of these guys went 10th overall and the other one went in the second round of the draft. Right. Like, I think these guys are both going to be great players, but there is no question that Garrett Wilson brings certain things to the table that Elijah Moore does not as much as I, and I, I love Elijah Moore and I, I don't, I think he's still going to have a really good season. Yeah. I just think that there are things that, that Garrett Wilson does that Elijah Moore does not. There you go. Um, speaking of the wide receivers there in New York, I'll just say this and we'll move on. But <laughs> what what are they doing with poor Denzel Mims? It's not like Denzel Mims is like anybody, but I'm just saying like he wants to be traded. Who cares? It's like he wants yeah. to be traded, but they won't trade him. It's like they're holding him hostage, the poor guy. You know, it's like well, because, you're not going to play him. You're not going to trade him like. <laughs> Like what is going on? Like, can you at least cut well, him or release him or do? You're, you're. It's like he's in no man's land. I think the thing is that the Jets they spent a second round pick on the guy. The guy as a rookie did flash legit ability. Like I don't think he's total. He's much more of like a thing on football Twitter or whatever than he is like a great receiver or anything like that. But he's certainly a really nice wide receiver five to have um, in case there's ever injuries. And nobody, by the way, I don't think any team out there is trading like anything significant for oh uh, yeah no denzel mims so if you're the jets like why would you trade denzel mims because like hey what if (laughs) elijah moore gets hurt what if Corey davis gets hurt Uh what if garrett garrett wilson gets hurt you know then they have a guy that actually has some upside not like some of these goofballs that they the jets have run out some rough names at wide receiver the last couple years so if they get in a spot where there's injuries and they could be like okay now we're tossing denzel mims not like jeff smith or some of these creative characters that they've had the last the last couple of years like that's a pretty good spot so what's the point would you rather have that or would you rather have like someone's seventh round pick um i don't don't, like what's the point i think for me it's just kind of like the guy doesn't want to be there it's not it's not even like you know what i mean it's like it's not like it's not a video game where you're like you know collecting like people it's like no like 
These are real people with real lives. This dude does not want to be there. There's no way that's good for the locker room. Well, he just, just he wants no he way. wants to play. That's the thing is he wants to play, which I, I get it. I get that obviously from Nim's perspective, he wants to play. Yeah. But I would also say like, I mean, dude, you're Denzel Mims. Like you haven't yeah, done no. it. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Like that was one of those 100%. things where it was like, again, because he's a thing on football yeah. Twitter because people really have really liked him as a prospect, whatever. I think Again, I think he showed some interesting flashes as a, as a year one player, but um, you know, when he made like his agent made a trade demand and it was like that went around, got a lot of traction on football Twitter. Cause he's a thing there. And, and, and I was like, okay. I'm, and I'm sure the jets are like, okay, that, that's good to know. <laughs> it's good to know. You I don't go. know. <laughs> All right. There you go. Hey, let's flip. Uh, let's flip to the other side in New York and talk about the giants. Giants fans, man. They're just on cloud nine right now, man. Hell Holy. yeah. As they should be. This is awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so great. Uh, but no, it's great. Uh, but I will say this from their uh, wide, rec- wide receiver perspective. Things are changing. Things are happening there. Uh, with the Giants, Brian Dable, it seems to me, um, I don't know, maybe I, I feel like he's sending a message. All of a sudden, Kenny Galladay goes from playing, you know, pretty much all the snaps there in week number one to playing nothing in week number two, play two total snaps, uh, in week two. Um, and, and it's very interesting that kind of replaced his usage with the fellow by the name of David Sills, but yeah, man, there's, um, it is interesting what's going on in New York. I think that Brian Dable, I think it was back um, in January, you know, asked what uh, he was asked what traits he expects from his team and his coaching staff in the preseason. And Dayball replied, smart, tough, and dependable. Um, I think you could argue that some of the former Giants starting receivers like Kenny Galladay, maybe not so smart, tough, and dependable. Certainly Kadarius Tony has not been dependable right he's been unavailable so often I think that's why he's started the year sort of not getting a lot of reps with the first team offense um right yeah you you just look at like uh, Kadarius Tony obviously he barely played in week one he got a little bit of a playing bump time in week two Kenny Galladay put two snaps and then was out of the locker room like right away when you know as soon like as soon as he could get out of there he was out of there um I think they probably gave a guy like Galladay a chance to hey you had a rough you know, I talked about him as one of the most disappointing reception perception profiles from this this past year in in twenty twenty one. So you know, they, I think they give him like, hey, give, take give it a shot. Like in training camp, you'd be our starting receiver. And I, every report out of um, New York was that he was, you know, not good. Like even in preseason, like the effort clearly wasn't there in, in some of the preseason no. games. So they're like, all right, well, we gave you a shot in week one, nothing happened. We're we're kind of gonna move you to the back seat. We're going to give it to guys who are in it. I mean, they were even excited about that guy, Colin Johnson, before he tore his Achilles <laughs> in the preseason. Uh, and, you know, Sterling Shepard right now, you mean, you look at the usage metrics for Sterling Shepard, they're like off the charts. 39.9% of the air yards, 26.4% of the team targets. He's the number right. one in routes run over the first two weeks. And like, we were we were asking questions on this show. Everybody was asking questions on about the uh, about Sterling Shepard whether he's even going to play in Week One because yeah. he tore his damn Achilles right. in like December, December or something like that. It's crazy. So it's yeah. insane. But what is Sterling Shepard, man? He's smart. He, he's a great route runner. We've highlighted that with reception perception many many times. He's t- obviously he's tough. He just came back from a freaking torn Achilles, <laughs> and I mean he's he dependably gets hurt right. obviously. But right now he's available and he's there. Whereas like Kadarius Tony was not a, has not been available. So 
that's why Sterling Shepard's out there because he fits like the Brian Dayball archetype of player. Yeah, you know, you talk about um, his usage too. So obviously tons of targets there, 10 targets there, uh, team leading 10 targets for Sterling Shepard in week number two. Um, I'm also intrigued by his usage in terms of like where he is um, on the line. It was 50-50 split inside, outside, for Sterling Shepard. And I think he's been primarily a slot man. Um, but even week one, he was 60, 40 out wide, um, 60%, 40% inside. So um, it seems as if Brian Dable's, you know, really wanting to kind of sort of feature the, the multifaceted skill set of Sterling Shepard. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love Sterling Shepard and um, I really think there was an alternate universe where, you know, the giants trade Odell Beckham, they give Sterling Shepard a big contract, and this was what, like 2019? They, they this all happened, and like I think mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard legitimately would have um would have developed into like a, a number one receiver. Like I think he is that good. Um, he has been like a slot flanker hybrid type of guy. Um, that's what he's playing as this year. You know, he's he's that slot flanker hybrid. You know, they also are missing Wandale Robinson right now, who I think was kind of yeah. going to be the Isaiah McKenzie pre-snap motion man um, for Brian Dayball's offense. So he'll get back out there at some point. Um, but yeah, man, Sterling Shepard just a damn good player. He looks awesome right now. He, I, they certainly have to get some more juice, right? Like I, I know fantasy Twitter is pulling their hair about the the Kadarius Tony usage, but you know, Tony's really raw as a route runner. And like, they just don't trust him to be in the offense right now. You can just look at like Kadarius Tony's only had, um, you know what, like two, th- two or three targets so far, uh, three targets on the yeah. season. He's averaging minus 2.3 air yards per target. So like, yeah, that a guy like Tony who has a specific set of skills, shout out Liam Neeson. He's got a specific set of skills, a specific <laughs> um, way that you can deploy him as like a, yeah. a guy that's going to rip it in the open field, a guy that's going to, you know, maybe be better against zone coverage and man coverage. He's not really there as a route runner. That's tough. That's a tough guy when he, especially when he's not practicing, when he's hurt all the time. That's a tough guy to integrate into an offense. It's a tough guy to like, you know, be a regular part of your routine receiving core. So they're they're obviously trying to get him on the field and get some get some plays in space. You know, he had that one cool rush attempt in week one. I think Kadarius Tony could end up being fine. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, a guy like Sterling Shepard, I don't see him giving up this role as long as he's healthy because he's just a good football player. Yeah, Richie James has kind of slid in there for the Giants to be a a little bit of a slot receiver for them, played just 43% of the snaps, but um, has been actually a really reliable player for them, man. Like, you know, five of six uh, in terms of catches for 51 yards in week number two, five of six, 59 yards in week number one. Um, You know, I think he's played that role pretty well. David Sills is kind of, eh, I don't I'm not sure what we're getting with David Sills, Um, but but again, again, Kenny Galladay kicked to the curb. David Sills is going to kick outside and play that X receiver uh, role that Kenny Galladay, they were hoping when they spent all that free agent money would play. But now it's this unknown David Sills. So you talk about Kadarius Tony. He goes from 12% snap share in week one to 37% snap share in week number two. And again, for him to kind of sort of be anything, it's like, I mean, he's going to have to be on the field 70, 75% of the time. Um, because again, they they can only manufacture so many bubble screens and like jet motion right. passes for this guy, right? Like that's not, it's great when you do it, you know, three, four times a game. That's it. Like, yeah. you know, you, you have need to, to run, run regular offense. Yeah, you need to yeah. run, exactly. You need to run real routes. Like Debo is sort of gets 
tabbed as like a gadget player. And obviously they do a lot of really creative stuff with him. But if you want Debo to go out there and beat zone coverage and like run a freaking dig route, run a slant route, he'll, he does that stuff. Like Tony's still a work in progress there. How, how far away do you think he is though? I think that's probably a good question, right? Like, so when you watched his, you know, tape from last year and I know it was limited, but is he really that raw? Like he really can't run a slant. Like he can't run a dig. I mean, it gets if against press man coverage, he still has a long way to go. I think he's like a fifth percentile success rate versus man player, but he was at like eighty percent success rate versus zone, so he was better than I expected at beating zone coverage. And obviously, we know the league is mostly zone heavy right now. And I don't think you're going to go out there and line up freaking Kadarius Tony as your X receiver. You're going to move him around no. a little bit pre snap. Like I think he has to be off the line of scrimmage. So he was one of the highest percentage of snaps off the line players that we had in the database last year. So. But the the problem is, I think I think the, the the biggest problem here is that like we can't just keep projecting off that stuff from last year because clearly there's been a divide between him and the coaching staff th- yeah. this off season with all of the time that he's missed and the and the lack of practice time that I don't know how to answer how far away he is. Like I think in an ideal world he's not that 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 far away. I think the upside might be capped because because of some of these flaws with him as a player. But I think that, but I think it's just really hard to know because we don't know what's going on inside the building. This is Reception Perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. We're talking again about pass catching units, lifting their quarterback play, lifting their teams right now. Certainly, I think uh, a strong case could be made there in Miami. But what about in Washington? I mean, you got to say, look, the way Carson Wentz looked last year, well, and you look at the pass catching group he had last year in Indianapolis, Matt, and, you know, other than Michael Pittman, who, who really was there? You had an aging T.Y. Hilton. You, you got Paris Campbell, who's a bust. Uh, uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot, really, outside of Michael Pittman. And now he goes to Washington, and, boy, this guy's putting up some numbers, man. We're talking about Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, uh, Jahan Dotson. I mean, they got J.D. McKissick involved now. So now this whole – pass catching group logan thomas your boy from virginia tech right so washington man this pass catching group goes just from like a jv unit to one of the best in the nfl yes and and let's not forget james there are dozens of us dozens of us (laughs) scott turner fans out there the people in discord were furious that you uh, like slandered arrested development so hard i didn't slander them i just said (laughs) i think people don't watch arrested development i think that's true i think that's true We'll leave, we'll leave it at that. I didn't slander but, um, it. I didn't slander it. I don't know. I never watched it. I can't say it's bad or good. I don't know. I've never seen it. We'll, we'll leave <laughs> We'll leave it at that. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I, I tell you what, James. I um, My co-host on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, subscribe to that show as well, uh, Scott Pianowski asked me on the Sunday recap show, is Wentz going to win the breakup with the Colts? Because the Colts obviously are 0-2 right now. Matt Ryan yeah. looks uh, 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 old behind oh, some troublingly yeah. bad pass protection. I'm willing to give the Colts a pass, by the way, because they were. you mentioned the goofballs that they were playing with without Michael Pittman last year. Well, they're pretty much, now that Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman played, didn't play last week, they were playing with those same goofballs, just no yeah. Michael Pittman. So pretty tough there. Golly. Um, you know, I mean, tough. Paris Campbell – he he's not that good like you know whatever anyway so i i I did say this about wentz though i think that this was sort of like a breakup that needed to happen which is sort of the um kind of counter to the narrative because obviously frank reich and um carson wentz had history together but in scott turner's offense 
the great Scott Turner, like he'll let you take shots. He will let you attack. And the Colts really kind of tried to put Carson Wentz in this conservative little box, you know, where it's like, let JT be the, the run of the show. And like, you just take the layups. We'll give you the layups, whatever. And what Carson Wentz ain't want to be taking those layups, man. He wants to like push the <laughs> ball down the field it, yeah. and he's going to make mistakes. Obviously he's made some pretty classic Wentz mistakes through two games so far, but the, positives are there like the 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 they're letting the they're leading into the bad and good of Carson Wentz I think which is great because this wide receiver trio is just awesome man I mean Jahan Dotson I feel like it's kind of going on under the radar a little bit because you know Curtis Samuel has 20 damn targets through two games which you know I love to see he's also been getting <laughs> rush attempts totally. you know they have a, an yeah. established number one in, in Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson he hasn't gotten a lot of targets, but I feel like every single catch that J- Jahan Dotson has made this year has been like an 8 out of 10 on the degree of difficulty scale because he's he's a small guy, but he's so good in those contested situations. He's so good at winning downfield, and he's still a player that gets open too. Like He's still a great, not necessarily a great man coverage beater, but an awesome zone coverage receiver. You know That was his reception perception profile coming into the NFL, um, but man, he is he has made so many plays in tight coverage this year. Um, all three of his touchdowns have been on like high degree of difficulty contested yeah. catches. Oh, yeah. He's made plays down the field as well. Um, he just looks incredible. And and Samuel, you know, is being used in this very hyper specific <clears throat> role as well. So yeah, this this trio, like again, we talked about duos with the Miami guys, but when you start thinking about like wide receiver trios, this group needs more respect absolutely and you know they've got other playmakers like you said Antonio Gibson as a receiver out of the backfield JD McKissick as a receiver out of the backfield and Lynchburg uh, the pride of Lynchburg Virginia Logan <laughs> Thomas looking pretty good as there well you go. Um, okay well it does beg the question and I know that um, Terry McLaurin did see eight targets four receptions for 75 yards but is Terry McLaurin is he like done done as like an alpha receiver well, yeah, I, I, I think I've kind of come around to part of the Terry McLaurin analysis was he was going to dominate the target chair and Carson Wentz was going to be an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. Carson Wentz mm-hmm. has been a has been a upgrade over Taylor Heineke for sure. No question about it. But McLaurin, just 14.1% of the team targets, just 26.1% of the air yards so far through two, two games. Jahan Dotson's run slightly more routes than Terry McLaurin. And I mean, the reality of that is just look, he's not going to have the same volume metrics as before. I think he'll be okay. Like I wouldn't rush to sell him or whatever. And I still think he is the number one legit alpha of this receiving group. But I don't think I see like a possible top 10 finish in Terry McLaurin's range of outcomes anymore, just because, um, you know, Curtis Samuel's really good. John Dotson's is really good. Like these guys are going to command targets. And I hate to say that because I love Terry McLaurin, but, um, this Carson Wentz would have to become, you know, the the analogy I've made all offseason was Terry McLaurin is, you know, 2022 Terry McLaurin is to 2017, 2018 Stefan Diggs. Like he needs to get in the right situation. Like this offense is the right situation, but Uh Carson Wentz is not going to become 2020, 2021 Josh Allen. Like he's going to (laughs) be, I think fine, but he's to get these guys to ball in fantasy, but he's not going to become that version of Josh Allen, obviously. Could I make the argument, too, that Terry McLaurin's skill set does not necessarily mess, mesh well that well with what Carson Wentz does well? Carson Wentz, in my opinion, is one of these, like, see-it-throw-it guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think yep. timing and feel is really where Carson Wentz thrives. I think he kind of sort of needs to see it 
Um, and then when it gets open, he throws it, right? So, but Terry McLaurin, great route runner, as you've, you know, uh, illuminated many, many times. When you're a great route runner, you kind of sort of need a, not always, but you need a, a quarterback that can have some timing with you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily think um, that is exactly what Carson Wentz does. And nobody's saying that Terry McLaurin is like Justin Jefferson or he's Devontae Adams or yeah. these guys. But, um, you know, even if he is like, even if you took Stefan Diggs and I love Stefan Diggs, I think Diggs is one of the top three receivers in football. If you took him and put him on this Washington offense with Carson Wentz, like they're still throwing the ball to Jahan Dotson. They're still throwing okay. the ball to Curtis Samuel. Like they're, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. just going to ignore these guys. Right. And um, especially Samuel, I think plays such a key role in that, like, the layup target, the um, the the designed looks for Carson Wentz, because like you said, the the Wentz wagon will he'll bust a wheel off every now and again and just go completely <laughs> yeah. haywire. And he is a see it throw type of guy. Well, if you lay out, hey, Samuel's going to be open in the flat here. We're going to design this play to get him wide open against zone coverage. That's right. your first read. Throw it to him right away. That helps matriculate the offense down the field, and Wentz doesn't have to sit there in the pocket and start to spiral and you know get a damn safety or a, you know, throw an <laughs> interception to a defensive lineman or whatever. So yeah, no, I, I, I hear your point right. about that, but I just think, and, and targets obviously are earned, but all of these guys are going to earn targets because they're all really good. Um, Drake London is somebody that, uh, you featured in the new tool on the re- reception perception, new tool for RP period. Uh, you're everybody in season yeah. tracking. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, but you feature Drake London as one of those players that you did a little one game sample on. You really, really liked what you saw. Dude, Drake London is the truth. Uh, oh my <laughs> God. I mean, James, he's the, the uh, he's the truth. The, the Drake London can't separate haters and losers. They'll, 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 they must have hated the week one tape against the Saints because he was open all of the time. 83% wow. success rate versus man, 80% success rate versus press in that game against a good wow. secondary, too, by the way. Yes. Um, right. He was awesome. And then you saw it in week two. He went out there and had a big game against the Rams. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think Drake London already looks like a superstar. Like, I think obviously it's not going to, Maybe it won't be to the degree of Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson from the last two years because, you know, he's in the Falcons offense with, I mean, Arthur Smith. Oh, my God. There's so many things we could say about Arthur Smith. You know, um, Arthur Smith Smith is a coaching staff. They play really slow. You know, you've got Marcus Mariota as his quarterback. But, man, yeah. Drake London legitimately looks like a, a alpha wide receiver already. Um, and he's putting it on the – I'm putting it in the box score too. You know, I mean, that game against the Rams was really good. I, I'm, yeah. I am, I, I, I'm so high on Drake London. I, I mean, I was high on him coming into the NFL. Obviously, you know, reception perception is really big on him as a prospect. But man, he looks even better than I thought coming off like no practice time. And you know, we're at the point where like the Kyle Pitts bros are are you know crying in the in the street about <laughs> Kyle Pitts. You know, how can, right. how can, how can Arthur right. Smith not be target, you know, drawn up designing plays for his best player? I'm like, he is, his name is just Drake London, not Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Good for you. 12 targets, eight receptions, 86 yards and a touchdown, highly productive two point conversion as well for Drake London in week number two, man, they play Seattle there in week number three. But, um, the thing that gets me excited when you start talking about Drake London is, Again, um, 
you know, when you watch his college tape, it's, it is very difficult just for, you know, when you're just watching college football, like how much of it is Drake London, how much of it is a quarterback wasn't getting a ton of separation there in college. But um, when you start talking about this guy can separate, well, I already know this. I already know he's an absolute dog when it comes to the ball in the air, you know? Yeah. Like, everyone knows that this guy is going to fight, you know? And like, for me, you know me, it's like, I have like a, a soft spot <laughs> for these contested <laughs> catch the dogs, dudes, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's Drake London. But now you're telling me he can separate too? Oh man, let's go. I, I think we've bare, I think we've barely seen any sort of, um, and there's been some like tight coverage plays. There's some, been some like ball tracking moments through the first two weeks, but um, yeah, the, so far, a lot of it has been not just, the separation and the, I mean, the unbelievable fluidity off the line of scrimmage for somebody, somebody that size, it's, it's really crazy stuff. Um, yeah, but, he's a but, big guy, dude. but also after the catch too, like he, he makes plays in the open field. And I think that's why they're designing so many looks for him so far. It, well, at least this was in week one in his reception perception sample. I'll have this updated on the in season tracker, obviously uh, with his week two game against the Rams, 50, 56% of his routes in week one, slant dig or curl man he's just gonna pile up catches on like running those in breaking routes with marcus mariota like those are marcus mariota routes right so um yeah 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 i i just i he's the he's already kind of started to to go up there but i said on the in-season tracker like he is clearly my favorite kind of quote buy before he goes off type of guy right now i think he's gonna have a monster season again i know people love kyle pitts I think I think Kyle Pitts is going to be a really good tight end. I just think Drake London's going to be the better player long term. Like I'm I'm right. very very convinced of that at this point. And when when it comes to who who what's how's it usually work in NFL offense? Like and by the way, they're playing Kyle Pitts as like a pure in, more so inline slot tight end this year. They're because they have an alpha X receiver on the outside yeah. in Drake London. They don't yeah, got to yeah, do any yeah. of that goofy stuff with him anymore. Um, <laughs> so. They're, and how does it usually work in an offense? Who normally dominates the target share? The alpha number one wide receiver or like the really, mm -hmm. even if it's a great tight end, it's usually the wide receiver that gets those targets. So I think that's how this is going to go going forward. Oh, it's great. No, I mean, hey, listen, it's a good problem to have, honestly. I, I think ultimately when Marcus Mariota kind of figures it all out, honestly, I think that will open does. the door. If he does, he probably won't. It's Marcus Mariota we're talking about here. But I'm just saying, like if, if a quarterback they take <laughs> figures it out, somewhere along the line it's just that's actually just good for Kyle yeah. Pitts I mean let's be real you know it's like you don't yeah. want to be um you know kind of I don't know like you don't want that outside coverage man no like, you don't go get yeah. like, exactly go shake loose down the seam dude like you know do your do your Travis Kelsey thing dude it's all good you know what I mean like come on ultimately it'll be better for him I think you know uh the Kyle Pitt bros like obviously they're they're not happy right now with the target share but I'm just saying down the road It'll pay off. Uh, Kyle Pitts is going to have some big games, man, for sure, hundred um, percent. But yeah, no, I, I I love that. I love that what you wrote in the in season tracker is buy before he has a big game. He had a big game, and you wrote that in week one, and then he goes out and has a big game in week two. I was like, yeah, well, there you go, boom, RP once strikes once again. <laughs> bigger, and I think bigger things are coming, even more than like eighty <laughs> yards and a touchdown. Like, I don't know, I don't know if the Falcons play any primetime games or anything like that. Um, but at some point, like Drake London will get in the like he'll be on Sports Center, he'll be on ESPN with like the 
oh, is this the next great rookie receiver? And like, I already think the answer is is yes. Like, is he the next Jamar Chase? Is he the next Justin Jefferson? I already think the answer. Hey, is man, yes. does he does he comp at all to you? Like, I'm, the size is is very comparable, but like, does he comp to you at all for like Mike Evans? Yeah. I think so because he can get open down the field, but I think like, and I, I love Mike Evans. I've always said that he gets people think if people think Mike Evans is a jump, just a jump ball receiver. Like they're not yeah. they're admitting they're yeah. not watching the games. Like remember all of the right. hand wringing about like, how is Tom Brady going to make it work with a jump ball receiver? Like Mike Evans, when he signed with the bucks, it's like maybe <laughs> watch on, Mike Evans Jesus. over the last few years. I like know. the guy does, he's a really, really, really good route runner for a big receiver. But Whereas Evans is probably faster in a straight line with that size. I think London might be more like fluid. Yeah. I, I, I think that the comp is reasonable from like a size standpoint. I, I think that I saw a lot of people, I'm not the only one that made this one, but I think a lot of people compared him to like a, almost like a Michael Thomas type of player um, from okay. like a, the way he like wins on slants and curls and digs and stuff like that is very Michael Thomas esque. But I, I'm just telling you, man, I think that he's freakier than, than a guy like that. I, I'm telling you, I think he's, he's more fluid and, and more, um, more special than, than a guy like that. Oh man, that is uh that is some praise. Cause Michael Thomas in his prime was just a right. He led the, as a, as a, and it owns an NFL record. So um, yeah. <laughs> maybe I, maybe that sounds really hot takey. I'm, I'm just saying purely like as a player type of guy, like sure. I, I think he's got such a unique skill set and is already okay, winning at the NFL level at a really high rate. All right. So there you go, man. We wrap it up. Hey, we'll be back um, in a couple of days here, man. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. If you are, please like, and subscribe, rate the show as well. Five star ratings would be very helpful for us if you don't yeah. mind. Uh, so that would be very good. And then of course, find Matt on uh, YouTube as well. Subscribe to his YouTube channel where you can find a lot of these clips. And uh, you know, we reference some of these, you know, routing charts um, that we pop on the screen for our YouTube folks. You can find that on his YouTube channel as well. All right, but for now, we are out of here. For Matt Harmon, I am James Coe. We'll see you.